The last thing Jesus tells the apostles, according to the Gospel of Matthew, is, I am with you always to the end of the age. That has got to be one of my favorite passages of Scripture. God is with us always to the end of the age. That's good news. If you don't remember anything that I'm going to say, at least remember that. I love the idea that God is with us. Our God is not a God who is far away, sitting on a throne up in heaven somewhere. Our God is a God with us. And that is also good news. Today we celebrate a great feast. Today is the solemnity of the Most Holy Trinity. Trinity is a, is a fancy word that means three. And it refers to the reality that our God is one God, three persons. Okay? One God, three persons. It's not three gods. He's one God, okay? Three persons. It's not three aspects of God or three qualities of God, creator, redeemer, sanctifier. No. It's three persons. One God, three persons. It's hard to understand. And that's why we call it a, a mystery, but it's not a mystery like a, like, a, like a murder mystery, Agatha Christie or Scooby-Doo mystery that we have to solve. When the church talks about mystery, it means something that, that it's so amazing, so wonderful, that it cannot be fully described in human terms. It cannot be fully understood, but it can be partially understood, just never fully. And, and we use that word mysteries a lot at Mass. You'll hear the priest speak about these mysteries that we celebrate. He also says the mystery of faith. And, and we pray the mysteries of the rosary. And in fact, the word in Greek for sacraments um, is mysteries. So we use that word a lot. And we have a few mysteries. The mystery of the incarnation, the mystery of the cross, the mystery of the Eucharist. And the mystery of the Trinity is probably the hardest one to understand. Okay, remember, one God, three persons. But the good thing is that we don't have to understand it. We just have to believe it. Still, I think that looking at the Trinity tells us something about the reality of God, about the nature of God, which in turn, because we are made in the image and likeness of God, tells us something about our nature as created human beings. In the book of Deuteronomy, Moses uses several ways to describe God. Now, th there are no words to describe God fully, but throughout Scripture, people use different images to describe God. Moses describes him in terms of what God does. God, God is creator. God speaks out of a fire. God saves the nation of Israel. By showing what God has done, Moses shows how awesome God is. But God is not just a God who does. God is a being. God is not a doing. God, God is a being. And because we are created in the image of God, it means that we are beings as well. We're, we're not human doings. We are human beings. You've heard that, right? We're not defined by what we do or by, by what we are capable of doing. We get our dignity by who we are, created beings in the image and likeness of God. But God is also not just a force of nature or like the force, like in Star Wars. God, God is not a life force or energy. God is not a concept, despite what John Lennon says. God is a person. You can have a personal relationship with God. God, God is a person. 
and we too are persons. We are persons from the moment of conception to the moment of natural death. No matter what you have done, no, no matter whether you are in a coma or whether you suffer from, from an intellectual disability, whether you're conscious or not, you are a person. But God, God is not just a person. God is three persons. Now, if you think about this, this actually makes perfect sense. Think about it. If God is love, okay, we all agree that God is love, then God can't be alone. He can't just be one because you can't be love in solitude. If God is love, it makes sense that God is a relationship, a, a community of persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. God is a, is a living, dynamic, loving relationship, a community of love between three persons who continually, eternally are out pouring of themselves into each other and receiving the outpouring of each other into themselves. It, it sounds a bit new age, but, but it's true. God is a community. God is a relationship because God is love. And so we too are called to relationship. We too are called to community. We too are called to love. God, God is not just a being, but he is a being with and that means that we are created to be with each other and to be with God. That's what communion means. And by virtue of our baptism, Jesus says at the end of the Gospel of Matthew that we are to baptize in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit. We are baptized into the Trinity, into that relationship. That means that through our baptism, we can enter into that loving inner relationship of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. St. Paul says in the second letter to the Romans that we are no longer slaves, but sons and daughters of God. That means that we are no longer outside of God, but by virtue of our baptism, we can participate inside the life of the Trinity. Not outside as slaves, but inside as sons and daughters. And this, this is really good news. And what better example of this than when when we come to the Eucharist, we communion, we receive Christ in communion, but not just Christ, but the fullness of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In the Eucharist, God comes alive inside of us, and we are brought within, within God. He abides in us, and we abide in Him. That's pretty cool, because it means that when we pray to God, we don't pray to Him from the outside. We pray to God from the inside. So, when Jesus says, I am with you always to the end of the age, he means it. He is God who is a, a being with. He is with us and we are with him. He is within us and we are within him. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Always. Until the end of the age. 